you're different after. You're, yeah. you're altered. So we've been talking about uh, the power of language in great literature. What about specifically short stories? I mean, at one point, you, you described them as strategies in language to attack our tendency to feel too little. Yeah, well, the story, the short story, seems to have a lot of pressure on it, a kind of gun at its back. There's a suspicion around stories. They are open to a kind of light ridicule up against the novel. And the story seems to kind of possess or seems to want to possess a kind of urgency so that within a sentence, within two sentences, whatever you were doing, you know, cleaning your house or watching TV, the story has to kind of compete against all that and grab you and not let you go. And it seems we're a lot more patient with novels. We sort of understand we might need to wade through 20 pages of description about how some characters met and where they went to school and the kinds of storytelling armature background exposition that that can define great and beautiful novels. And I think I'm attracted to stories because they really don't have a sentence to spare. It seems that we're... We're looking for <laughs> reasons not to read them. And that that's a, a really interesting challenge that I think story writers are meeting really, really beautifully. So, so what were you looking for when you put together this? And Well, you don't like the word anthology, but I don't know what else you'd call it. Do I not? The selection <laughs> of, of short stories. I was looking for just that, the experience of not wanting to stop reading. I was so lucky to be able to put this book together because I could gather hundreds of short story collections, uh, literary magazines, individual printouts of, of stories that I'd heard about or that people had recommended to me. I could just make huge piles around myself and read and read and read and read. And in some ways, it was nice to not really know what I was looking for other than a kind of unforgettable experience. So if, for instance, I read something and picked it up a few days later and couldn't remember it at all, that was sometimes a sign that it had failed to endure in me. Now, I don't mean that to be a definitive criticism of that story, but I think I was just looking for stories that that had a kind of long half-life that kept kept with me, that I couldn't forget. Well, let's take one example of this. The very first story in your collection called Paranoia, and I don't even know how you say the author's name. Can, can you say it for me? Yeah. It's Saeed Serafiezida, a terrific writer who was completely new to me when I started this, this project. And that was, it was always exciting to find a writer I'd never even heard of. And there were six or seven of his stories I felt could have gone in this book. And this hmm. paranoia was the one I settled on. So what, what was it about this story that appealed to you? The story is simple and plain and very inviting and easy to get into, and it reveals its its riches subtly and slowly, and it, it kind of builds a lot of enigma and strangeness. There's a war going on, and we think we might know which war it is, but as we move through the story, we find we know less and less. And I, and I think that Said, one of the many exciting things he does as a writer 
is I guess I guess the old fashioned term for this would be defamiliarization, where he takes things that that look familiar to us and kind of common, and he he almost sort of applies a kind of wobble to them, so that the world we think we know starts to quiver a little bit, but it that helps us see and feel things behind the familiar that have gotten hidden because we think we know what there is to know about them. Hmm. Well, c- could you give us a taste of this? Maybe read the, the first couple of paragraphs? Sure. This is a story called Paranoia by Saeed Serafiezida. When April arrived, it started to get warm, and everyone said that the war was definitely going to happen soon, and there was nothing anybody could do to stop it. The diplomats were flying home, the flags were coming out, and the call-ups were about to begin. Walking across the bridge, I would sometimes see freight trains lumbering by, loaded top to bottom with tanks or jeeps, once even the wings of airplanes heading out west or down south. Some line had been crossed, something said or done, something irrevocable on our side or on the enemy's, from which there was no longer any possibility of turning back. I hadn't been following matters that closely.